the IBM Cloud Podcast, coming to you every show with information about new capabilities and releases. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the IBM Cloud Podcast. We are hosts from the offerings team here at IBM Cloud. My name is Ian Lynch. And this is Steve Shokat. And today we have a return guest, Brett King. Now, Brett is the offering manager within the IBM mobile team. And he showed up on this show last time, I think it was last fall. Brett, welcome. Thank you. Good to be so, back. Yeah, it's good to have you again. So, you know, like we did last time, Brett, I, I kind of want to start out with kind of the bottom line there, which is, you know, when someone says mobile, what kind of thing falls in that category? And I think it will shape some of the questions that Ian and I will ask thereafter. Oh, okay. Uh, so mobile's, uh, you know, uh, there's, of course, the traditional definition of a mobile device device. Uh, you know, which is your phone, um, but it's uh, the the concept of, of mobile has really evolved a lot uh, over the past uh, you know five or six years, and so it, it's evolved into you know things like tablets uh, and uh, wearable devices like uh, watches, uh, and uh, started to uh, you know overlap with uh, with IoT devices in some cases. So. Uh, most IoT, uh, Internet of Things uh, kind of stories have a, a mobile aspect to them as well. So, uh, you know, mobile is a, a little bit broader than uh, just your phone the way the way it used to be. But um, uh, and and we're seeing customers that are uh, developing strategies that kind of started in mobile, but now they're spreading to multiple devices and what we call omni-channel or multi-device uh, kind of scenarios. So, uh, pretty pretty broad area. Okay, so I'm glad you kind of said that whole omni-channel. So from that, I'm expecting, Brett, that a lot of clients are more so users' expectations of have changed, really, how we've started interacting and using mobile. And that whole that whole presence of, oh, my God, it's just my mobile device has completely changed. So what's the expectation nowadays? What are, what are clients expecting when they come on and start to use IBM Mobile? Well, the expectation uh, from customers is, uh, or users of mobile applications, is that uh, that their application is, you know, wherever they are on whatever device that uh, that they happen to be using or, or want to use that's the most appropriate for the the task they're undertaking. So, uh, if uh, they're at their their desk and you know using their laptop, uh, they you know want to be able to interact with a uh, company through you know a web browser if they uh, move to a tablet they want to be able to use a, a uh, either a web browser or an app on the tablet if they move to the phone they want to be able to use your company's mobile app or um, you know potentially the browser on their phone uh, so th th there's really an expectation that whatever device that they're using they're going to be able to get in touch with your company and and uh, accomplish their task uh, without the device sort of getting in the way or running into limitations there. Yeah, so. absolutely. So like w when we say around the expectations, and I think you alluded to this and what I was asking around this omni-channel, but really what they're saying is that nowadays they're expecting more than just the iOS, for example, SDK. They want the watchOS SDK or if it's Android, the Android Wear. So it's become just more than what's currently on the device, right? Uh, right, ab absolutely. Uh, and you know, people are using different technologies uh, for developing mobile applications. Uh, you know, in some cases, they're developing native mobile apps, and in other cases, they're developing responsive 
web applications that you know can run on a, a variety of different devices or um, you know browsers. And so, uh, you know, what it means to be a mobile app is evolving as well. So when you say that, can I just build once and then it deploys everywhere? It, it's not that simple, right? <laughs> Uh, it's, it's it's not quite that simple, but it's getting closer to that. Uh, you know, there's, uh, of course, uh, it's. I said it's not exactly that simple, but it's getting closer to that. There's, of course, differences and uh, in the different kinds of mobile devices that you know a a common app uh, wouldn't take advantage of by default. But there's there's ways that you can create a mobile application that's both cross-platform and uh, takes advantage of some of the you know unique uh, native capabilities on the device. So uh, you're starting to get to be able to you know have the best of both worlds uh, when you develop a mobile app. So so let's look at the um, the flip side. So I've got an app and it's running on something that's a mobile device. How are the um, the folks that are are providing the infrastructure and the devices keeping up and I'm and, and what I'm asking that question there is I'm thinking about how my poor phone you know seems to run out of battery long before my lease on it extends uh, or is done and I, and even on the drive home I'm finding that that you know there's spaces and places where like my phone has no connectivity so I don't call my wife until I've crossed over Creedmoor Road on my drive home you know in North Raleigh and, and um, you know, it seems to me, my gut feeling is that the apps are moving faster than the infrastructure. Uh, when you mean the infrastructure, you mean as far as the uh, the network infrastructure? Yeah, mainly the network infrastructure. Yeah. What supports the app, the abilities behind the app, which, you know, for me is, is primarily connectivity. Right. So uh, there's a couple of uh, uh, sort of aspects to that. One is that, you know, we encourage... Uh, people that are developing mobile apps to, uh, you know, consider those kinds of things when they're developing the app. So uh, being able to add in offline sync, which is one of the capabilities we have in our platform, uh, so that your data uh, is available to you on your device, you know, even when you're not connected is an important, uh, you know, aspect for a lot of applications. Uh, being able to uh, deal with, you know, outages uh, and, you uh, you know, pr still present a, a good experience uh, to the user is important. So, you know, there, there's ways around uh, the network outages, and there's just some cases where, you know, you don't, um, you know, want to be online uh, when you're connected. But, but in general, I think, you know, the mobile apps, uh, you you get the most value from them when you know when you are connected and on right. and and you are online and. Uh, connecting back into the cloud, and and you know we're seeing that there's um, you know lots of evolution in that space as well. Um, you know we just came back from uh, Mobile World Congress, and uh, 5G was the you know the hot uh, topic there with the uh, kind of performance that you know we can expect uh, that that will bring, and and uh, you know I, I think the connectivity issues you know as we start to see. Uh, you know more options available for uh, for Wi-Fi and and digital plans uh, continue to come down in price uh, as far as data goes. Uh, I think the connectivity issue will be um, you know perhaps less of an issue, uh, and uh, you know you'll be expected uh, that you'll be uh, connected you know almost all the time, whether it's through a, a local hotspot, uh, either you know on your phone or tablet or uh, in your car or. Uh, 
uh, you know, potentially a, a citywide uh, hotspot. You know, there's there's lots of different options for connectivity coming out that I think will start to address, you know, some of those uh, some of those issues. Well, I'm glad you mentioned 5G because it just so happened that I had 5G on my list of things I wanted to ask you about there, Brett. So. Um, I, it really is almost two questions. I think one is kind of an obvious question, and then the other I think that you'll have to maybe do a little bit more thinking on. Uh, so the, the obvious question is, 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 will 5G be a game changer? Oh, I, I, I think it will. Uh, you know, when we think about uh, the, you know, kind of the evolution of, um, uh, of you know, computing, any anytime you have you know, significant increases uh, or advances in technology or performance, uh, you will start to see new applications that have come about that uh, that that people hadn't really even expected you could do before, or weren't even an option before, and so uh, you know, um, uh, things like virtual reality and augmented reality and and uh, um, you know the uh, video, the the kinds of things that uh, are um, you know possible today, but but not really um, always performant will become you know standard and expected and and kind of the new baseline of interaction. Uh, you know once you um, you know start to reach uh, you know the uh, the higher speeds and higher capabilities and things that that will be available. So. Uh, I, I think uh, anytime you have a, a, a significant advancement in the underlying technology uh, from a performance perspective uh, or a, a reach perspective, you'll start to see uh, significant enhancements in the user experience as well. Yeah, and, and I think you actually answered my second question. So, you know, my, my second question is, you know, what are some of the things that 5G will be able to do? And I think it's that it can push out greater quantities. Uh, and in fact, we're actually going to get someone to come and talk about 5G on this cast. I don't know, whenever I schedule, Kyle. But, um, you know, it sounds like to me, one of the things that you can do with 5G that'll be really important will be things like uh, VR and augmented reality, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, good deal. Yeah, so all that is yeah. right there on my, my mobile device. Or actually, the... the, the um, the VR um, goggles will become your another example of a mobile device as a wearable, probably. Yeah, that's right. I, I think they still, uh, you know, there's still work from a form factor, uh, you know, perspective there to figure out what works. Uh, you know, there's uh, people tried different options with, you know, glasses and, uh, you know, uh, different kinds of VR headsets connected and, and not connected. And, uh, you know, I think there's some, you know, uh, usability issues to work through that, uh, and social issues to work through before VR and AR uh, become standard. But uh, certainly, you know, even uh, today, we're seeing that um, you know customers can use uh, these tools in you know enterprise scenarios uh, for things like training uh, and um, uh, you know uh, evaluation of problems at uh, at work sites and things like that. So uh, there, there's lots of uh, possibilities that will become uh, much easier to do once once we um, once we move to 5G. 
So like, there's no doubt, Brett, that VR and AR is like a massively hot topic, especially in the mobile space. And if anyone hasn't actually tried it, I'd recommend giving it a go. I'm kind of one of those guys who tries on a VR headset and feels a bit dizzy and feels like I'm about to fall over. But if you're not one of them, try it out. But Brett, let's talk about outside of the VR and AR world. Let's talk about normal, everyday kind of expectations of what we're going to see as things change and technology adapts. Like most of us, and okay, I'm going to make a bold statement and say the vast majority of people that most of the time their phone is no more than, what, 10 feet away from them. So what are these users really going to see? But besides VR and AR, I'm talking around advances in different different OSs and different things that what you expect from a phone is able to do is going to get a huge amount better and bigger and faster just from the software that we have. Right. Um, So I think uh, some of the things that you'll start to see with applications is that they will start to uh, include more context. of who's using the application and when they're using it and how they're using it. So, uh, the, you know, because the phone is, is always, uh, near to you, it, you know, there's a lot of information available, uh, to you or to the phone and to the applications running on the phone, uh, about you and what you're doing, what you're trying to accomplish. And you can really, uh, take advantage of that when you're building a mobile application. So you can, uh, dynamically adjust the experience of the user uh, to the mobile app. So we, we have a, a, a new service that we just launched called App Launch that allows the uh, application to dynamically change based on the customer segmentation of the person using it. So, uh, for example, uh, somebody uh, logging in that's a uh, an enterprise employer, say a um, uh, a worker in a, in a retail store uh, could get a different experience than a customer logging into the same application, or a VIP customer could get a, a different experience uh, than uh, a, a regular customer. And so we can tailor the behavior of the application uh, you know, to the user or, or really any aspect about the user or where they're at. So if you wanted the application to change behavior when they're in the store versus out of the store, or whether they were in their car uh, versus out of the car. Maybe you want to have more uh, voice interaction when they're in the car and you want to have uh, more of a, a, you know, a, a text chatbot uh, interaction when they're out of the car. Uh, or you know, maybe you want to have incorporate the weather. Um, you, know, you can incorporate one of our weather services that runs on IBM Cloud and factor that into your application. So uh, that's how I think applications are going to start to evolve is, is really taking advantage of all this context that, that the uh, is available to the application and giving the user a better experience, a tailored user experience uh, based on who they are, what the device they're is that they're using and uh you know what they're trying to accomplish in in what environment wow is that actually all from like literally deploying one code one piece of code that you can have it dynamically changing uh yeah it's wow. just uh, uh you know a piece of code that uh, gets incorporated into your application uh you know by the the developer and then you can control it from uh you know from the server side and uh tailor the rules that define which which pieces of code uh you know, we'll execute on the device, so. Well, Brett, okay, I'm gonna have to step you back up. That's for me, I don't know, but that's not just a little piece of code. That's, that's game changing, that's huge. That's, yeah. wow. That's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's something that uh, the customers are, uh, or developers are doing today, but they're not doing it in a standardized way. So everyone that develops a, a mobile app 
kind of customizes their own mechanism for changing the application based on you know some kind of state. But what we found is that this ability to dynamically change the app is a really um, kind of fundamental capability that we see not just for use in dynamic applications, but for doing things like rolling out features with uh, uh, you know dark launch, so you can roll a feature out to 10% of your users and you know test it and see how they like it, see if it works before you roll it out to the other 90%. Or you could do an A/B test with it, where you say you know half of my users will get this version of the feature and half will get another, and then we'll we'll use analytics to determine which one's preferred and and which one drives the best results for us, and then. Uh, you know, make some changes. So uh, it, it's a really kind of fundamental technological, uh, you know, technical capability that um, you know, we've, we've put, you know, packaged up in a way that's really easy for developers to consume and administrators to manage. So I'm kind of afraid to ask right at this stage, Brent, but we had a recent conference, right, with Tink, but because of that and the whole dynamic application is kind of, it's really kind of <laughs> got me thinking, but um. Was that the big announcement in Tink, or was there more? Well, uh, so our app launch service is in beta. Uh, so uh, we just introduced uh, uh, introduced that this this year. It's in beta now, and and uh, uh, you can go out and, and try it in the IBM Cloud. And we're collecting feedback on it, and you know we'll, we'll continue to evolve it. Uh, but we had other things that we were talking about at Think and showing at Think. Uh, we recently announced a partnership with uh, Mendex, who's one of our partners that is a leader in the uh, low-code, no-code space, which is a way for mobile developers to develop applications really quickly uh, using the IBM Cloud. So uh, it allows somebody that that isn't necessarily a, a professional, traditional mobile application developer to build an application, you know, in, uh, you know, much, much faster than you would uh, through typical development, traditional development, and you can incorporate uh, cognitive services, you can incorporate mobile services, and then deploy it on IBM Cloud. So that was another uh, area that we focused on a lot at, uh, at Think. And, and in fact, one of the things that, that Ian and I are going to chat with later are the folks that were tied as well to the Apple uh, work and the Apple announcements that we had that were tied to mobile devices. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be part of that work, and I was excited by all the stuff that we did and got announced by even Ginny on the front stage. Woo! Yes, that's right. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I was intrigued by some of the things that you said there, Brett. I liked. I, I particularly liked the the VIP experience. Only if I could sign up for it, but um, I guess it's probably going to come for a price, and that's always sad. But the the I, I, the other thing I particularly liked is I liked how you talked about the app would change the way it interacts with the user. That like if you were in the car, you know, is that that all of a sudden now you you. Um, you interact mainly by talking to it, and it, it becomes a more of a, a speech-to-text type of stuff, as opposed to you know maybe if you're inside the store, it might be more visual, something you can't really do too well while you're driving. I like that. Yeah, that's right. And in fact, it could incorporate what kind of car you were driving. Uh, so because the different cars have different capabilities, don't they? Yeah, that's right. Get rid of that old clunker. Anybody that's listening, get rid of that old clunker. <laughs> So, so last question here from from both of us, I guess. Here, Brett is um, you mentioned this in the past. 
And um, where where could I get more information to learn about IBM Mobile? Uh, right. So uh, if you go to uh, um, uh, IBM.com/mobile uh, is a is kind of a, a good starting place. Uh, if you're a developer, then uh, I would go to um, bluemix.net uh, slash developer slash mobile, and that will take you to our, our developer console and take you all, uh, tell you all about our, our mobile capabilities. Awesome. Thanks, Brett. Um, what I'll do, guys, is I'll link all those what Brett was saying in the description below. Um, Brett, as before, thank you for coming on the show. And each time I think we have you on, it starts to get more and more exciting about mobile. So I'm sure we'll have you back on at some stage again. So, yeah, Great. thanks for being Great. on the show. Okay, thank you. And guys, myself and Steve, thanks for tuning in. See you next time on the IBM Cloud Podcast. <laughs>